ಶ್ರೀಹರಿಂ ಪರಮಂದ ಉಪದೇಷ್ಟಾರೀಶ್ವರ ವ್ಯಾಪಕ ಸರ್ವೋಕಣ ನಮ್ಯಹಂ ಗುಡ್ ಈವ್ನಿಂಗ್ ವಿ ಸ್ಟಿಂಗ್ ಅಪರೋಕ್ಷನುಭೂತಿ ಆ್ಯಂಡ್ ವಿ ಆರ್ we were on verse 70 we had done 69 last time there is this cute story which monks in the himalayas they tell tell you know it's it's a story of a goldsmith a jeweler while working on ornaments golden ornaments he suddenly tells his little boy run inside the uh, house and get some gold and the boy goes inside and comes back and says there's no gold comes back empty handed and then the father goes back with the boy inside and shows him look all these ornaments these necklaces these coins these uh, bangles and rings they are all gold you see what was the boy's mistake the boy said that gold must be in a form of a brick or a lump of gold and everything else is not gold all of that is gold similarly what advaita vedanta says here we are living in this vast ocean of existence consciousness bliss every bit of it is brahman only we recognize it it, uh, it not because we say that no brahman god must be something else how can this person and particularly my boss how can that person be god <laughs> how can a tree be god how can these are all names and forms the the reality on which these names and forms float like shadows we are missing it all the time it's right here what we have to do is what the boy had to do that boy had to recognize what gold is first quite apart from whether it's a ring or a bangle or a necklace the boy had to recognize that this is the substance the reality called gold and then having recognized that then in whichever ornament you put forward to the boy the boy that the child recognizes that it's a golden necklace or a golden ring or a golden um bangle or whatever the same process we have to undergo what aparokshanubhuti has been doing is first recognize brahman recognize that existence consciousness bliss it's something that we miss all the time first recognize it and you recognize it first within yourself you remember what we did in the first 40 verses we went through i'm not the body i'm not the mind i'm i'm the the witness consciousness getting hold of hold of the gold grasping understanding what the gold is i'm mixing up examples and would exemplify don't get confused we are not in search of gold we are in search of uh, the our real self having once understood that you are the atman you are pure consciousness then when you look out into the world look out first into your mind into your body into the world outside and you will see all of this is one unbroken ocean of existence in which all these names and forms float 
One Swami put it this way. You know, when there is a flood, like a dam breaks and a water gushes out, huge amounts of water, and it sweeps away everything in its path. So when you look at the pictures of a flood, you will see um, the detritus, the, you know, the debris. Lots of little, lots of trash, lots of things floating around. And the Swami used this example. When you recognize Brahman, the ocean of Brahman, then all the vishaya, the sense objects, what you see and hear and smell and touch and taste, all these will be like debris, little bits and pieces floating around in an ocean of consciousness. I like that, that example. It's a tremendous thing. And you can actually experience it. And experience it how? You cannot not experience it. I dare you, look at this wooden lectern and try not to see the wood. You cannot. If you see the lectern, you will see the wood. You are helpless there. If you see the golden ornament, if you wear the golden ornament, you are seeing gold and touching gold. You are helpless there. You can't see the ornament without seeing the gold. You may not know it. You may not recognize it. You may think it's a bangle. But it's the through and through. Every bit of it is gold. In the same way, when we experience the world, when you see other people, when you, see, uh, when you uh, interact with people, even your body and mind. Here is the great paradox. We went through this entire process of, I am not the body, I am not the mind. And now what are we saying? I, the Satchidananda, am the mind, am the body. But the difference is this. In ignorance, we think we are only this body. And everybody else is everybody else. Separate, different, the other. After enlightenment, we realize all of this is that infinite ocean of existence, consciousness, bliss, which I am. <clears throat> which I am, which you are also. So this is the difference. You cannot not experience Brahman. After once we, you make the breakthrough, in every experience of the world, you will be experiencing Brahman, your real nature. You are helplessly. You don't have to make an effort for it. You cannot not experience it. Swami Ashokananda used to say, who was in San Francisco, Where shall I find God? Foolish question. Where will you not find God? The Kena Upanishad says, Prati bodha viditam matam. In every, when in every experience you find Brahman, every experience, not spiritual experience, not just in prayer or meditation or uh, in, in uh, devotion, but every experience, when you're walking and driving and drinking a cup of coffee, in every experience, indubitably, it's, it's shining forth. Nisargadatta once, he was asked, how do you experience, do you experience Brahman all the time? Yes. How does it happen? Is it like some kind of understanding, an abstract conception? He said nothing abstract about it. And he was in Mumbai. So at that time in Mumbai, sometimes you see the sun and the moon at the same time. Not just in Mumbai, everywhere else. Maybe less in Mumbai. Certainly not in Delhi these days. You can't see <laughs> much of anything in Delhi. But the point is sometimes you can see the sun and the moon at the same time in the sky. He says, for me Brahman is like the sun ever blazing forth. Unmistakable. 
And what you call the world is like that faint moon there. Don't extend, don't overextend the universe, uh, the, the example. That Brahman will be somewhere up in the sky there shining and the world is somewhere up there and the faint. No, no, no. The only thing that you take away from it is the power and the, the uh, unmistakability of the Brahman experience. And compared to that, the world fades out. It's a shadow. It's a name and a form. Now to explain that, Shankaracharya has um, used examples. I'm reminded of another thing. Swami Virajananda, who was one of our presidents, um, he says in one of, uh, I saw in one place, he says, the entire universe is presented to me with the body and the mind. To me, the witness consciousness, at all times, the mind, body and universe are presented together. Either I am all of it, or I am none of it. Both are the same truth. You understand? I am none of it. I am Satchidananda. Perfectly true. How is that true? You can say all these golden ornaments. What is gold? Gold is all ornaments. Or you can say gold is none of the ornaments. Gold is gold. The ornament name and form and function, they come and go. Gold remains gold. Both ways it's true. All of it is gold. Or none of those ornaments are gold. Gold just remains as gold. In the same way, you can say, I am all of it, or I am none of it. They are all visions, they are all shadows, they are all names and forms shining in this, this blazing outpouring of consciousness. To explain this, <clears throat> Shankaracharya has given examples. Last time I mentioned, he has given a, a wide variety of examples, actually counted 22 examples to explain, first of all, how every bit of it is Brahman, um, to grasp that. So a variety of examples. We will see that now. And then he will show how, with, with again uh, several examples, he will show how, because of ignorance, we are deluded. Constantly we miss it. So this, this is what's going to happen now. First of all, how we are we mistake the body to be myself. I am this thing. Whereas we are actually Satchidananda, existence consciousness place. To prove this, a series of examples. Five verses from verse 70 to verse 74. We'll look at them full of examples. We'll take up each one and, and try to understand this one central truth. Verse 70. Sarpatvena yatha rajju Sarpatvena yatha rajju Rajatatvena shuktika Rajatatvena shuktika Vinirnita vimurhena Vinirnita vimurhena Dehatvena tathatmata Dehatvena tathatmata just as the deluded, to the deluded, the rope appears like a snake. Or the, the mother of pearl, nacre, appears shining like silver. It looks like silver. You know what the example refers to. Sometimes the shell, uh, the nacre on the beach, from a distance it shines. It looks silvery. And a person can think it's a piece of silver, a silver coin lying there. Exactly like that. 
the Atman, which is existence, which is consciousness, which is bliss, is mistaken to be the body. We take the body to be the Atman. Who am I? This one. What is this? Me. I. The infinite existence, consciousness, bliss is cut off, limited as it were, in this, uh, they will use the example of a pot, like the body is like a pot. So, so uh, limited to this. Look at the examples. The, it's, a, it's a harmless piece of rope, but in semi-darkness, the person takes it to be a snake. There is no snake at all. But when the person looks at it, he does not think it's a rope. The idea that it's a rope does not cross his mind. He clearly thinks it to be a snake and behaves accordingly. Similarly, we, when we look at ourselves, it clearly seems to be a body yeah. and a mind. That I am an immortal spirit. I like that, that saying very much. That we think we are um, uh, human beings in search of spiritual experience. But actually we are spiritual beings having a human experience. But when we look at ourselves, the very idea of a spiritual being, the very idea of unchanging awareness, it doesn't occur to us at all. Everything seems to be change. Everything seems to be material, body, or at the most psychology, mind. Just like that. Not only that, when that person thinks it's a snake, mistakes it to be a snake, and looks at it, what is he actually looking at? He's looking at a rope. He's looking at a rope. And later on, after he becomes enlightened that it's a rope, he will know that even when I thought it was a snake, and even when I was looking straight at it, I was actually looking at a rope. In the same way, when we interact with the world, when we see things, hear things, talk with people, we think we are seeing, hearing, talking, seeing sights and hearing sounds and talking with people and having good feelings or bad feelings. All the time, all that we are really dealing with is existence, consciousness, bliss. Helplessly. You can't even avoid it. Only thing is, we don't know it. We don't know it. That's it. The infinite existence of Brahman. It's like the sky. The infinite sky, if you have a pot, then you, f you get the feeling that the space inside the pot, they give the example that it's pot space. And the space outside is the universal space. But the pot does not actually demarcate the space into pot space and universal space. It just looks like that. In the same way, our infinite existence, Sat, is not cut up into birth and death, into aging and decay. That's the birth and death of the body, aging and decay of the body. I, as, an in, as existence, Sat, I neither am born with the birth of the body, I neither uh, age and decay with the uh, body, nor do I die with the body. It's, it's not limited by that. So even right now, when I think I am, I am a body, at that time, actually I am in contact, right now I am in contact with Sat. I am experiencing Sat. But only, just as that person looks at the space with, inside the pot and says, it's a pot space. Which is it's nothing of the kind. It just looks like that. You think, I exist as a body. You exist as existence, being. The body is incidental. Okay. Similarly, the silver and nacre example. 
Um, so nacre, mother of pearl, sometimes on the beach it shines with a silvery um, light and from a distance a person might be deluded into thinking it's real silver, might actually go to get the silver. And even when the person is, thinks that it is silver, um, actually it is nacre, it's not silver. In the same way, even when we think we are the body, this one, actually at this moment, we are Satchidananda. We are not Satchidananda or Brahman or Atman, whatever you call it, after realization, no, then also we are. But right now also, the interesting thing is whether we know it or not, whether you accept it or not, whether you understand Vedanta, whether you're at all interested in spiritual life or not, you're still a spiritual being. You're still, what do I mean by spiritual being? I mean something very specific. I don't mean to be cool or new agey or, uh, in Vedanta it's very specific. Existence, consciousness, bliss. Again, existence as existence absolute, not the existence of a table or a chair or a clock. Consciousness, by that I don't mean seeing, hearing, smelling, talking. No, I mean that pure unchanging consciousness which appears, which is used or coined into our seeing, hearing, smelling, talking and so on. Ananda. Somebody said, Swami, you speak about existence and consciousness a lot, but you don't speak about ananda, bliss. It is the same ananda, that infinite ananda of Brahman, which is our real nature, which is experienced, cut up into the little pleasures of life, which we experience and we taste it and we chase after it. We think that uh, the, the joy of tasting something nice, the cookie, uh, for the, for the unenlightened, the Brahmananda becomes cookie ananda. The ananda means the bliss of tasting a cookie, or your favorite cookie. The bliss of Brahman, is, it's the same bliss, but what happens is, just like the pot seems to be limited within, the space seems to be limited within the pot, it's just a little space, one liter. Space does not hold one liter, the pot holds one liter of water. Space is infinite, how much does space hold? It holds the universe. The spa space holds the universe. All stars, galaxies, planets are in space. The same space which you see in the pot. Uh, but the moment you identify it as pot space, what comes? Well, Swami said in the Himalayas, Daridrata ajati hai. Poverty comes. Poverty comes means, I feel I'm limited to one liter. Space becomes limited to one liter. Space is never limited to one liter. It holds the infinite universe. Similarly, Ananda, the infinite bliss which is within you and within me and within everybody else, which is our real nature, experience when we taste a cookie, oh, the bliss is there. Must be, because all the people in the advertisements who eat it, they have these big grins. They're all very happy when they eat it. Happiness is not in the cookie. For the unenlightened, even Brahmananda becomes cookie ananda. And for the enlightened, the ananda, the bliss they get from tasting a cookie is also Brahmananda. They immediately recognize it as Brahmananda. Say, oh, Brahmananda, the bliss of Brahman, this is how you are hiding today, as a cookie, as the ananda of a cookie. Uh, they identify it. For the enlightened person, every pleasure points to the ultimate spiritual joy. So that's where they derive their pleasure from, their joy from. Swami Brahmananda, 
disciple of Sri Ramakrishna, somebody was tuning a musical instrument. The music, musical performance had not started yet. Just by hearing the tuning of the sitar, he went into samadhi. Why? It's not the music. Behind it, he recognizes the strings, when they are plucked, they vibrate in Brahman. The, the ocean of Brahman is, is, is what is ever revealed to that person, to, to Swami Ramananda. So, even joy, ananda, it's an ocean of ananda which is within you and me. We don't recognize it. We tie it to individual uh, tastes, sounds, smells, touch, thoughts, ideas. And we think that is what is pleasurable. We make a mistake. And then what do we do? We start chasing that particular thing. That cookie made me happy. I'll have more of that. Give me some more of that. Why? I think joy is in that. Joy is not in that. That serves as a trigger. That, uh, that really does not matter. What might be apparently painful or miserable for us is also a matter of great spiritual joy for the, for the seeker. That, that cobra which bit the sadhu and uh, that sadhu, the monk who, who said, even the cobra which bit him, he says, it's a messenger from my beloved. It's not being poetic. It, it's really, it's a, it's a truth. Actually, we are the ones who are deluded. That person is connected to the truth. Vinirnita vimurhena dehatvena tathatmata. Vinirnita means certain to be, is understood to be by the deluded. Just like we, who is deluded here? The one who took the rope to be snake. The one who took the mother of pearl to be uh, silver. Here what happens is, we are deluded because we take this body to be myself. An infinite existence, consciousness, bliss. Where has it gone? And we think we are this little body which was born, which is subject to aging and decay and death. Inevitably. No matter how much yoga you practice, how much, how much <laughs> gluten-free you eat, it will decay, it will die. No, I'm not being pessimistic. <laughs> I see a cloud over people's face. Why, do you, why does Swami have to say such things? I'm not saying you will decay or die. You cannot. You cannot. See, person who knows it will not suffer. A person who does not know it, suffering from illness, cancer, maybe terminal, maybe will die, the, the body will die. That person also, I know, Vedanta says, that person is perfectly safe as the Atman. Nothing is going to touch that person. But the only thing is, that person will suffer. Why? Because, he, has, he or she has determined this body to be the self. And so when the body is decaying and dying out of cancer, the person thinks, I am suffering, I am miserable, I am fated to death. Then, 71. Ghata tvena yatha prithvi Ghata tvena yatha prithvi Pata tvena Vinirnita 
He continues to provide us with examples. These examples we have come across. The pot and clay. Familiar example. So I know one Swami used to teach with keeping a pot on the table. Because so, <laughs> the example came up so much. So pot and clay. Just as clay is understood to be a pot by the confused. Say, Swami, I would consider that thing to be a pot. True, but you know it to be clay. Person who does not know what the clay is and thinks the pot is the reality. That's the person we are talking about here. Who thinks this mass of clay is a pot. And a shirt. Pata means, in Sanskrit and English confusing, pata does not mean pot. Pata means shirt or cloth. It means cloth in Sanskrit. So the cloth is made of threads. So a mass of threads which are woven, we think it's a shirt or, or, or a piece of cloth. And you will say, isn't it? And the Vedantist will say, is it? Which part of it is a cloth? So you are touching it, Swami, but I'm touching the threads. Can you show me the cloth apart from the threads? No. The pot. Which part of it is a pot? You're holding it, Swami. But which part of it apart from the clay is a pot? There's no pot apart from the clay. It is clay, shaped in a particular form. That's what you call a pot. This form and this name and a function. Similarly, it is Satchidananda. Shaped into bodies and minds. I will not even say shape. Don't mistake me here. Um, the, these th examples have to be used carefully. You get the sense of a potter coming and shaping pot into clay, uh, clay into a pot. So somebody must have shaped existence, consciousness, bliss into bodies and minds. No, it's not quite like that. In existence, consciousness, bliss, these names and forms called bodies and minds arise. Nobody has shaped, shaped Satchidananda. Nobody has done anything to Satchidananda. It remains exactly as it were. So, just as every bit of the pot is nothing but clay, every bit of the cloth is nothing but the threads, similarly, every bit of this universe, including body and mind, is nothing but Satchidananda, which you are. But what has the uh, deluded person thought? I am the body, this body, and not those other bodies too. We are different from each other. Yes. It's a deluded person, not the persons who are attending the class. You don't think like that, I know. <laughs> yes. 72. Kanakam kundalatvena Kanakam kundalatvena Tarangatvena vaijalam Tarangatvena vaijalam Vinirnita vimudhena Vinirnita vimudhena Dehatvena tathatmata Dehatvena tathatmata More examples. Just as earrings made of gold. Every bit of it is gold. But what, what does the little girl who's wearing earrings say? That they're my earrings. Look at them. They're so pretty. That reminds me, not connected with this. But an example which a monk gave me in India is a doctor in our ashram about earrings. 
the example was meant for something else. He was saying that how much of pain is mental? Pain is there, but how much of suffering is mental? So the example he gave me was the place he, he, he was a doctor even before he joined the order and became a monk. The place uh, he used to, he had, uh, he used to uh, treat patients, the hospital he worked in, it was somewhat in a village area. And uh, one thing that the little girls would come with their parents for was to have their ears pierced for earrings. And he said it hurts to actually pierce the ear. But he said uh, that the, all those little kids who would be terrified of an injection would be sitting there with actually with tears in their eyes and a big grin on their face because they are all looking forward to wearing earrings. So the pain is, it's okay. The delight is that we get to wear these pretty jewels, pretty earrings. That's the delight, that's the thing that we are looking forward to. So the same pain, which is quite, quite painful, especially for a little child, is born without any kind of, um, any kind of suffering. So that's just by the way. But here he says, every bit of the earring is gold. Water itself is thought to be the wave. Again, you will say, isn't it the wave? Yes, but the wave is a name and a form and an activity. But every bit of the wave is water. In the same way, we, the, the, those who are deluded, they think that I, the self, I am this body. And what is this body? It's me. Every bit of the body, of the mind, every bit of it is actually Satchidananda. I was reading in, in Ashtavakra, there, there is a verse which, which says, The enlightened person lives in the self and plays the game of life. The ignorant live in samsara and suffer like beasts of burden. Very interesting verse. What Ashtavakra calls the self is Satchidanam, the existence consciousness bliss. It's exactly what the unenlightened call samsara. I'll repeat, it's, it's very paradoxical. What the unenlightened person thinks of as samsara is exactly what the enlightened person thinks of as Satchidananda as the self. The difference is only in a point of view. The enlightened person has penetrated through the um, appearances of names and forms to know the ground reality and chooses to live there. Live there means not that he has relocated there, just stays with it, stays with that truth. And what does he do? He or she, what does, he do? what does this person do? Plays the game of life. Life becomes a game then. Does exactly what anybody else would do. They might hold a 9 to 5 job, uh, might, or might be a monk in a, in a cave, um, might be a family person, might, be, might not be, might be a writer, or whatever. Whatever. Plays the game of life. Whereas the other person who sees this very same thing, the enlightened person sees this and the unenlightened person sees this. Like 
the person who thinks it's an earring, the child thinks it's a pretty earring. And the mother knows it's gold and nothing but gold. The example which I started with, the jeweler sent his son in, get some gold for me. And the son thought a lot of jewels are here, but no gold. All of it is gold. When you, when you see that earring, you're actually seeing gold. When you touch that earring, you're touching gold. You are, when you wear that earring, you're wearing gold. The enlightened person knows and lives with the idea that it is gold. The unenlightened person thinks it's a, this is a earring and this is a necklace. They're different from each other. In the same way, the same reality, this very reality, the enlightened person clearly sees it's an unlimited, unbroken ocean of existence, consciousness, bliss, which I am. So how can it be unlimited, unbroken? Here there is a limit. Here is me. There, there you are. There is a limit of space. There is a limit of time. The class began and class will end. Hmm. But tell me, when you have a series of golden ornaments, necklaces and rings and um, anklets and whatnot, in a series, you keep them. Is there any limit between them as far as gold is concerned? Here a necklace comes to an end and there a bangle begins. But the gold continues. Uh, you look at the ocean as 10,000 waves. Each wave seems to be separate from the other. But if you look at it as water, where is the limit? It runs in and through everything. In the same way, there is no limit when you see Satchidananda. Here itself, an unlimited existence consciousness place, immortal, beyond the possibility of suffering also. That that person sees as, as myself. Where is suffering then for that person? And the ignorant person, the person who has not had that breakthrough, sees this very thing, that unlimited ocean of existence, as I am this body, you are that person, this is a chair, this is a table, that's nice, this is bad, this is a nice person, this is a mean person. Samsara. It's magic, I tell you. The very same thing. And the enlightened person has the extra advantage of seeing both sides. So the enlightened person can interact with us. It, we, we won't lead to confusion. Uh, he won't say, give me some, uh, if you want some dal to go with his rice or curry to go with his rice, he won't say, give me some Brahman to go with my Brahman. No. <laughs> he can speak our language. He can transact with us happily, knowing the truth, what underlies it. So this very life, this very samsara plays the game of life. Whereas the ignorant, uh, look at the difference. The wise dwell forever in the self, capital S, and play the game of life. Whereas the ignorant dwell in samsara and are like beasts of burden. Beasts of burden, they're trapped. Duties, responsibilities, my karma is upon me. Things to be done. Guilt. Why did I not do that? Why did I do that? Why, didn't I do not, why did I not achieve these things? Why did I not lead my life differently? Why did I do those things? Uh, things done and not done. All of that is upon the unenlightened. Beasts of burden. So gold and earring. Water and wave. More examples. 
73. Purushatve navaisthanu, Purushatve navaisthanu, Jalatve namarichika, Jalatve namarichika, Vinirnita vimudhena, Vinirnita vimudhena, Dehatve na tathatmata, Dehatve na tathatmata. Just as the dry stump of a dead tree, from a distance, the stump of a tree, it might have one or two branches still remaining, no leaves. You can some, see some of that after fall. So the trees are there in the distance. If it is, imagine two big branches and the stump is there in the distance. And in the, from distance, you might think it's a person with her arms raised. So there is an error and delusion of seeing a person in a, in a tree, in a stump of a tree. So that's called sthanu. Sthanu is the stump of a tree. And a person gets deluded and thinks there is a human being there. Somebody's there in the dusk, in the d distance there. That's one example. The other example is, in the, uh, in the mirage, you see water. You think it's water. If you don't know it's a mirage, in the distance it seems to be water. So the, earlier the error was, the water was seen as a wave. The wave is seen to an independent reality without recognizing water. Here the error is the other way around. There is no water there, it's a mirage, but it looks like water. Just like that, we make an error. We think that the body is the self. The unenlightened people think that the body is the self. <coughs> Swami Vivekananda in Rajasthan, there's a story how he was walking in the desert of Rajasthan. And then he saw water and he moved towards it, thought it was an oasis. And he's, when he came close, he saw it's a, it's a mirage. Then he started walking again. And he looked back. And what did he see? Water, the same thing. Again, the illusion of water. But now what's the difference? He knows it's not water. It will not generate the same reaction in him anymore. He knows what's there. In the same way, the enlightened person sees what you are seeing and I am seeing. Hears what you are hearing and I am hearing. Tastes and smells and touches. All of that. But knows constantly it is none other than Satchidananda everywhere. Then number seventy-four. Grihatve neva kashtani, Grihatve neva kashtani, Kargatve neva lohata, Kargatve neva lohata, Vinir nita vimurhena, Vinir nita vimurhena. Dehatvena tathatmata, Dehatvena tathatmata. Two more examples. A shack made of wood, branches and twigs. It's just a mass of twigs and wood, you know. But if you start staying under it, it shelters you from rain, and you stay there and sleep there and cook there, very poor people or sometimes sadhus in Uttarakhand in, in the Himalayas have seen they do that. It is a mass of branches and, and, and twigs and just wood. But very soon you start thinking of it as your hut, as your house. There's no such thing as a house or a hut there. It's a mass of wood. 
It functions as a house, no doubt. It looks like one also. It looks like one, talks like one. <laughs> no, what I mean is, we slowly begin to think it's a thing called a house. Another thing is, iron or steel shaped into a sword. We think it's a sword, but it's actually nothing other than iron or steel. So the steel itself is now called a sword because of the name and the form and the function. And the enlightened person knows every bit of that house is just a mass of wood. Every bit of that sword, so-called sword, you're using a word, sword, but it's actually steel. Remember, even after knowing that, even after knowing that the, that the blade is nothing but steel, it will still work as a blade. Even after knowing that this so-called house is a mass of twigs and wood, it will still work as a house. So functionality is retained, even after you realize everything is Satchidananda. Will food not satisfy hunger anymore? How can Brahman, how can pure consciousness satisfy hunger? Only rice and curry can satisfy my hunger. No. All of that, fun name, form and functionality will continue. At the level of Maya, nothing will be disturbed. But you realize what it is in reality. And you realize your fundamental oneness with everything. With everybody and everything. So these were in um, five verses, 70 to 74, proving only one thing. What the deluded think to be the body, the Atman, Satchidananda, they think I am this body. The enlightened person knows that I am this, this all of it, this, this universe. Again, don't make a mistake. Brahman is not the summation of all things. By mistake, I thought I was one body, but now I'm enlightened. I think I am all the bodies and all the living beings and non-living beings. You add it up and you get the set of all things and entities all together. That's who I am. No, that's not it. Not at all. If none of them existed, I as Satchidananda would continue to be exactly the same. They are all appearances in me. The gold. If you say, what is gold? Oh, it's not just this necklace. It's all the earrings and all the necklace and all the jewels in the shop together. No. If you melted all the jewels down into a lump, it would still continue to be the same gold. But it wouldn't be the jewels anymore. The jewels would have gone. The ornaments would have gone. But the gold continues to be the same. Exactly like that, Satchidananda is not touched. Existence, consciousness, bliss, your own reality, the absolute, is not touched by what particular name and form you happen to be wearing. They may come and go. They may not exist at all. In pralaya, in the cosmic dissolution, when the entire universe disappears. What about Brahman? It's the same, exactly the same. There are no names and forms anymore. And nothing much happening. <laughs> now, there's a change of topic. We'll, we'll see a new, new subject. If you have any comment or question to interject here, do it quickly before I go on to the new subject. The new subject is um, related to this. Why are we making a mistake? How is it possible that an infinite being is seen to be a limited body? How is it that I'm, an, I'm pure consciousness, but I seem to be flesh and bone? Just the opposite. That I am changeless, but I seem to be subject to birth and growth and aging and decay. 
So just the opposite, how does that happen? It all happens because of ignorance, agyana or maya. Several examples will be provided in the next 10 verses. Before we start, uh, there's a slight change of theme now. Examples will continue. All these are examples. After we finish those examples, then comes, we are, we are coming to, towards the climax of the book. So then comes two, three other sections. One section will be, I'm just telling you what's ahead of us. One section will be an interesting discussion, a short but interesting discussion on karma. So what happens to karma when you are enlightened? As you can see, we are almost enlightened there. We are almost there yet. I mean, we, we, are, we are already there. So uh, what happens to karma? So, you know, we have all these theories of prarabdha karma and because of karma we are uh, born and then we, um, we go through births and deaths because of our past karma. The entire uh, theory of karma, which is common to all Hindu schools, all Buddhist schools, Jain schools, all Indian schools, in fact, of thought, they have this theory of karma. So what does Advaita think of that? That will be a discussion which comes after all these examples. After that comes a pretty interesting section. 15 different um, techniques of meditation. All of it meant to do only one thing. Establish you in this understanding that you are Satchidananda. Make it real for us. Make it effortless for us. So 15 different techniques. Don't jump ahead yet. I know those are very attractive. Oh, you should have started with that. <laughs> Wouldn't have worked. They don't, it doesn't work that way. It's like saying, you want, you want to learn physics or math, then attend the classes, read the book, and, and then think deeply about it. When you think deeply about it, you'll get it. Oh, so you think deeply about it, then you'll get it. Then I won't attend classes or read the book. I'll just think deeply about it. You won't get anything <laughs> that way. So in Jnana Yoga, the path of knowledge, it's a path of insight. We must develop the insight first. You must develop the clarity first. And then meditate on it to stabilize. So that will come next, after that. And the final section will be a very beautiful, very, very short, but very beautiful philosophical conclusion of what happened in this book. What's the core, um, for want of a better word, I would say algorithm. What was the technique used in this book? Because first you said, I'm not the body, I'm not the mind, I'm the witness. Now you are saying, I'm everything, including body and mind. So what was going on underneath all of this? So that will be said and we'll come to the conclusion of the book. Now, let me go ahead with many more examples. Ten verses full of examples to show how ignorance can work miracles or disasters, depending upon your point of view. 75. Yatha Vriksha Viparyaso Yatha Vriksha Viparyaso Jalad Bhavati Kasya Chet Jalad Bhavati Kasya Chet Tadvadatmani Dehatvam Tadvadatmani Dehatvam Pashyatyagyana Yogata Pashyatyagyana Yogata How do we come to think if I am Satchidananda, existence consciousness place? How do I come to think of this body as me? Why this tremendous difference? It seems uh, incredible that I'm an infinite, I'm the absolute, 
and I think of myself as this little creature. How is it possible? It is possible, and I'm going to show you many examples to show that it happens all the time. What are the examples? For uh, The first example he gives here is a lake. In daytime, you will see the forest is reflected in the lake. Yeah. I was in, in Canada earlier this year, and we had a retreat in a place called Loon Lake. The loons, you know, the birds, there are no loons, but we were the loonies, the, the Vedantic loonies. Uh, <laughs> And it was such a beautiful example that, you know, we could see. And the water was so clear and so calm, especially early in the morning. Absolutely still. You could see the entire forest reflected upside down in the water. You could actually count the individual pine needles. So clear, so undisturbed. Yet in that water... In that forest in the lake, the forest in the lake, I'm not talking about the forest up there. Immediately it will occur to somebody, yes, Swami, but there is a forest there and that's being reflected in the lake, so not so, so nothing, stop it there. <laughs> the example is only the lake and what you see in the lake, not the forest outside. Our mind works that way. Because they didn't have um, computer screens in those days, so Shankaracharya had only this example. But now you could see a whole forest in a computer screen, uh, you know, in a monitor or in a TV, where there's no forest inside, nothing is there. In consciousness, all this universe appears. Now, in that forest in the lake, that reversed forest which you find so clearly in the lake. Um, sometimes we, I, I took some pictures, and the and you could see it. Perhaps the forest in the lake looked more beautiful than the original. <laughs> but let me ask you. Those trees, those pine needles, those birds flying through there, that blue sky, all of it, every bit of it, what is it? Water. Reflection. Water. What is the reflection? Every bit of the reflection, what is it? Water. It's a play of light and water. There's not a single tree in there. Not one bit of it. That vivid appearance. Even here we have that illusion. Right now you, go, you can't see it. Because the curtains are drawn. When lights are on and the, it's dark outside, the wind, big windows are there. If you, if you open the curtains, you will see a whole Vedanta society out there on the street. You will see the shrine and the Christmas tree and all the people and everything in, in the uh, mirror image out there. What's out there? Nothing. Darkness and space. Every bit of it is water. Though it looks just the opposite. This is just because of ignorance, not recognizing. If you, if you do not recognize its water, you'll think there is a forest there. Not recognizing it is Satchidananda, we think there is a concrete real world out there. One example, beautiful example, I really relate to that. Let me give you um, one related practical thing to think about. It's a Buddhist teacher who gave this beautiful example. Imagine this poor man with a big burden on his shoulders, staggering under the burden and walking. Now, there's a mirror. You hold up a mirror and the man and the burden will be reflected in the mirror. Now I'm asking you a precise question. How much does the burden weigh there? Mm 
Nothing. Nothing. Because it's not a man, it's not a burden, it's a reflection in a mirror. Every bit of the burden of our lives is exactly like that. It's a reflection in the mirror of consciousness. The moment you take the man to be real, the burden also becomes real. Moment you forget the mirror, that's the essential thing. Moment you forget the mirror, or at least you don't notice the mirror, then you inevitably take the man to be real and the burden to be real. Suffering begins. Why related to this today is, I was reading up on, you know, Sundays uh, we're going to have a Christmas service, Christmas Eve service. So, all those, all ye who are heavy laden, come unto me. I relieve thee of thy burden, for my yoke is light. Jesus Christ says that. You look at it in a non-dualistic way. How does the burden of the world get lifted when you have this insight? You suddenly realize there is no burden and no world at all. It is all Satchidananda and you are Satchidananda. You cannot, you will be helplessly happy. I just coined that term, helplessly happy. <laughs> Good. You will be helplessly happy and helplessly at peace. You will have to generate troubles for yourself. To keep yourself entertained. Maybe that's why God creates. <laughs> to have a little bit of fun. Okay. Again, an aside. Um, in Hindu creation stories, and there are many of them, because according to Vedanta, creation goes in cycles. Creation of the universe, Srishti, existence of the universe, Stiti, and then dissolution of the universe. And then, once again, and it goes on and on and on and on. Now, um, the question is often raised that God could have created a perfect universe. The question is raised in every religion. So, why didn't God create everybody perfect? Why did he create evil people and you know, bad things and all? So, there's a funny answer. There's actually a story. Brahma, who is the creator? Not Brahman, Brahma, the creator God. The demiurge, the, the technical term for that would be. Um, he, he created, of course, the first time he created, or some, he created perfect, the sages, perfect beings who are very holy and perfect and not at all evil. So the universe was created and the sages came into being. What happened? The sages opened their eyes and looked around the universe and thought, what's this? We should realize Brahman and merge ourselves in the infinite. And sat for meditation and realized Brahman and merged themselves in the infinite. And that was the end of creation. And Brahma thought that won't do. So he put in a little bit of rajas, you know, dynamic desire, activity, tamas, dullness and um, uh, ignorance and laziness, uh, greed and uh, put all those things in, the masala into it. <laughs> so then he cooked. This time it worked. Uh, universe, all beings, and from that time onwards everything has been carrying on merrily al along. <laughs> no end of the universe. It's going on nicely in cycles. Some more examples. 76. Pote na gachata. Yes, 76. Pote na gachata pumsa. 
पुते न गच्छत Very nice example. When a boat moves, the bank, the shore often it seems to move suddenly on the opposite direction. Now you might have seen it when you're sitting in the Amtrak and suddenly the train next to you is moving. You feel that you are moving or the platform is moving. It's an illusion. I remember when I would cross over from Calcutta to Belur Mutt, cross the river Ganges on a boat. Once I had this experience, I was crossing over and suddenly I saw the monastery and the trees and the temples all start to move in the opposite direction. Of course, they were not moving. It's us who are moving. But I, it felt like we were standing still. The boat was standing still in the middle of the river and the, everything else was moving in the opposite direction. So that's the example. What is actually not changing, that seems to be changing. What is not changing? You, Brahman, you are not changing. In you, everything changes. You are in this eternal presence. It is eternal um, awareness, eternal radiance, just now, unchanging, this now. It's there for you. But what do, you, what do we feel? We are in a stream of time. We are floating from the past, unknown past, to this present, this vanishing pre present, into the future. That's what it feels like. No. Actually what is happening is, you are this unchanging mass of radiance and time is playing before you. You are, you are in the eternal presence, in the eternal present. It's, it's, um, sometimes you sense it. It's because of a trick of memory that we seem to be floating from the past to the present and then going on extending towards the future. So we keep thinking about the past and thinking about the future, both of which are completely unreal. What is the past right now? Memory. What is the future right now? Expectation. What is the only reality? The now and here and now. And what is that reality? Isness and awareness and bliss. That always was and will be the reality. Some, somebody's got that in those infernal devices. <laughs> yeah. Now, somebody who... Yes, you have a question? Yes. Yes. When we see the reflection of the forest, we know that there is an actual forest out there. Yes. In the case of Brahman, Brahman getting projected as a universe. Yes. Does Brahman look like the universe in reality? See, I told you don't go there. <laughs> but yes, there's an answer to that. And this question has been raised. Uh, it's the dualist philosopher who raises this. Look. My dear non-dualist, there is a forest there on the mountainside which gets reflected in your precious lake and becomes that reflected forest in the lake. 
Now, if there is a you, there must be a universe which is reflected in your consciousness, in the mirror of your consciousness. If you would think of your consciousness as a mirror, if you want to do that, you can do that. And then it appears in your consciousness. Why do you say that the universe is only in consciousness? It's out there, therefore it appears in your consciousness. Why don't you say that? That's, that's what the dualist asks. What the Advaitin says is this, that look, the lake, the water is jada, insentient. It's not awareness. It's a material entity. So it does not project anything by itself. There is another material entity which is a mountain and a forest which gets reflected by the laws of um, optics in it and creates that illusion of a forest in the lake. That's it. But consciousness does not have to depend upon something insentient to be projected in it. Consciousness can generate its own images by Maya. So the entire universe appears in awareness. That's the answer that, that they give. And again, it's not not too far-fetched because we also have similar experiences every day. When we fall asleep, when we dream, there are people, there are buildings, there are entire cities, there is an entire universe there. All of it dreamt up by our individual minds. Right? Projected by the mind. Here, there is a, there's a subtle distinction I'm making. Advaita does not say this waking world is a projection of your mind or my mind. Oh, no, no, no. It says that there is an absolute reality called existence consciousness bliss in which because of Maya this entire universe appears. So the dream is an example. It's not exactly like that in the waking. Yeah. I remember another interesting thing about this, back to this boat, the boat example. Moving in the boat um, and the shore begins to move. I was asked to present a paper a few years back in England, in London, on the Bhagavad Gita in a conference. And um, I chose a particularly difficult subject. There's a verse in the Bhagavad Gita which says, he who sees action in inaction, in no action, and no action in action. When there's action going on, you see it's no action at all. When there's no action going on, you think it is action. You realize that it is action. That person truly sees and is the doer of all actions. Karmanya karmaya paschet, akarmani chakarmaya. Sabuddhiman manushyeshu. That person is the inter most intelligent among everyone. Sakritsna karmakrit is the doer of all actions. Now, what does that mean? It sounds paradoxical. It sounds cool. It's very nice. But what does it mean actually? So, I was supposed to present this paper, and in preparation for it, I read up on the commentaries by different um, commentators. And in Shankaracharya's commentary, this was so thrilling to me, I was reading it, and Shankaracharya says, Just as when a person crossing a river on a boat suddenly sees the opposite, the, sh the shore and the trees and the houses on the opposite shore starting to move. And just a few days before that, I had that experience. So it's so thrilling that 1200 years ago there was this great philosopher using this very experience. Now where is the action? The action is in the boat. But where do you see that action? On the unmoving shore, on the buildings and the trees on the shore, which are not moving. They seem to be moving. And the, the, where the action is in the boat, that seems to be unmoving. This is, that is the example. 
And the enlightened person sees that whatever is happening in body, mind and world is an appearance in an unchanging Brahman. As Brahman, no action. Though as a person, other people might think that person is engaged in so much action. Might be working for social welfare, might be giving sp uh, spiritual inspiration, so and so forth. Who was more active than Vivekananda? But if you ask that enlightened person, are you doing anything as Brahman, as you're in your core understanding about yourself, that person has to say that nothing. So that's seeing no action in what people would think there is action. And the opposite, the ignorant person sees that, so thinks that if I do not do any action, if I sit quietly in a mountain cave, that is no action at all. The enlightened person will say that's action. Why? Because to do something and not to, or, or to not do something, there's agency involved. I have, to, I have to say, I am the doer or I am stopping myself from doing something. The example is of a person fasting. What, what, what do you ask? You ask, what are you doing? I am fasting. Sounds like an action word. It's not an action. Just not eating. <laughs> not eating, right? Is not eating. It's, it's refraining from action. But it's truly an action also because that person has to put food. I mean, there's no past and there's no future and there's only a present, a slice of time. When you take time as a flowing series, the, all of it is superimposed in Brahman. It's an appearance and experienced in Brahman. It's not real in itself. But Brahman in itself, you can call it an eternal present. There is no past in it, there's no future in it. It is. That's what it is. The time is experienced in Brahman as, a, as an appearance, as a name and a form. That's the definition. Hmm. Time is appearing in Brahman. Yeah. Present is not any more real. I'm saying in time, in the flow of time, all of it is an appearance in Brahman. But Brahman itself, you can think of it as an, as an eternal now. Unchanging now, without any reference to any past or future. But when you refer past, present and future, then the whole series is an appearance. Past is an appearance, present is an appearance, the present which is vanishingly... Um, a disappearing point. That's an appearance and the future is also an appearance. I like um, William Blake hmm, who says what was that? To, to hold, to see infinity in a grain of sand and to, to um, hold eternity, to see infinity in, to hold uh, infinity in the palm of your hand and see eternity in an hour. He who I've forgotten the lines. He who um, binds himself to a joy doth kill the winged life. But he who kisses the joy as it flies lives in eternity's sunrise. Oh, beautiful. These poets, they sensed it. All poets, whether it's um, you're talking about uh, Wordsworth, oh. Tintern Abbey, I think. Uh, yes. Or William Blake, the mystic poet especially. They sensed it. Yes. Anybody else has a question?
you have yeah, question there, yeah. Correct, correct, you're right. Remember um, that this thing what you're saying is very beautifully understood in a different philosophy, Kashmir Shaivism. Um, so they talk about Shiva and Shiva's Shakti um, blazing forth as this universe. And they talk about such things. In Advaita what happens is this whole order of time, space and causation is seen as false, as an appearance. But you are right, what happens within that appearance, what you call the dot opening up and then collapsing back again into it, Vedanta puts it as the movement between the avyakta and vyakta, the unmanifest to the manifest and manifest back to the unmanifest. Right? From a lump of gold to a beautiful bracelet and from a bracelet back to a lump of gold. Gold, exactly the same. From the point of view of gold, it was gold, it is gold, but from the point of view of name and form and use, from a lump to a bracelet and then from bracelet back to a lump. Uh, where was that bracelet? Where was that beautiful um, uh, ornament? It was always potential within the gold. Every ornament is potentially present within the gold, just as um, Michelangelo's David, and what's the beautiful statue? It's present in that block of stone. It's present there. You need to manifest it. So a name and a form and a function manifest. The dot glows into this entire universe and then collapses back into that. But as far as existence consciousness bliss is concerned, there is no change there. There is no increase there. There is no decrease there. The beautiful, I'll end with this verse in the Ashtavakra. May ananta maham bodhav vishwa swabhavata Udetu, udetu vastamayatu, name vridhi navakshati. I am in me the infinite ocean of existence. Universes come up like waves. Let the waves come up, I gain nothing thereby. Let the waves subside, I lose nothing thereby. Let birth come, I am not increased by thereby. Let old age and death come, I am not decreased even the least thereby. Let the ornament be created. Gold is not increased in any way. Let the ornament be melted back into the lump. Gold is not decreased any way that way. You are that Satchidananda. In you plays this entire universe. But by you always I mean existence consciousness place. Not a particular body and mind, not even a particular personality.
वेरी गुड शांति 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 हरि ओम तत्सत्म कृष्णारूपणमस्तु